Hello, and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you would like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. This podcast is made possible due to the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the giving tab. Or you can text the amount of your contribution to 84321. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, listen, man, I got to tell you all, this is my third service is my favorite service. Can I say that? Don't tell nobody else. Don't tell them. Listen, man, I want to welcome everybody. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor here at Faith Church. And to all of our faith family, man, we're glad that you are here this morning. And to all of our first-time guests or those that maybe are stopping back through, man, we're grateful that you decided to be with us. And our hearts cry in prayer as a staff and as a family every week is that God will show up in your life, that if you'll open up your heart, man, he'll meet you wherever you are in life. And we believe that God can change any heart, any life, any situation. God can work a miracle. Amen? So listen, man, real quick before we jump in the message, I want to make again a final plug for tonight for our group link. Uh, It's one of our core values to connect. We believe it's important for people to be in relationship. We have lots of great groups going on uh, this semester. So they'll start this month. They'll go through May. We want to encourage you, if you're not part of a group, to jump in. we got a lot of people that have opened up their homes, stepped out, and decided they wanted to lead. My wife and I, we're part of two groups because we love groups so much. We're leading a, uh, a young couples group this, this uh, semester. There's a couple openings, so if you are looking to be part of a group, you're a young couple, you want to figure out marriage, um, you can learn from us who survived it. <laughs> so wherever you are, we got them for old, young, uh, active, Bible study, uh, whatever it is you want to do, we got a group for you. Tonight, 6 o'clock, make sure you're here in the gym, we'll help you find one. So listen, uh, we're going to jump into week two of a series we launched last week, and let me start it by asking this question. How many of you in this room, maybe not right now, but possibly now, you have taken a prescription or you are on a prescription medication or some kind of medication? How many of you here, you take your medication the way it's prescribed? Like you take it when and how they say? Liars, liars, liars. Every one of you are liars. Now you say, how can I, how can I say that? I can say that at least based on studies and based on statistics that probably the majority of you, either you are the exception of the rule or... I'm going with my first gut feeling, liars. And here's why. Studies say that there are about 3.8 billion prescriptions prescribed every year. And statistics say that about 50% of those prescriptions are either never filled or people just don't take them the way it's prescribed. Imagine that, 3.8 billion, 50%. In fact, one specific study, uh, some people looked at 1,000 patients. And out of the 1,000 patients, 75% admitted to not taking their medicine the way they should. 75%. Another study I read said this, that 30% of prescriptions um, are never even filled, which means people go to the doctor, they recognize something's wrong, they recognize they need help, they help, they go take, talk to a medical professional. The medical professional says, here's what you need to take to get better, and then people either don't go get the medicine or get the medicine and don't take the medicine. That's crazy. But I think really what it reflects on the inside of us is that sometimes we either don't trust the physicians or we don't really believe what they tell us will help us will really help us. Now, this is not the only place it takes place. It doesn't just happen with medical professionals. There's another area that's true as well. 
In fact, stepping into the series, we're talking about another physician. His name, he's come, become known as the great physician. Yeah. He's a guy that's able to heal, deliver. He'll meet any person in any situation. He can bring a breakthrough in any life. He can meet any sickness, any disease. God is able to do it. His name is Jesus. He is the great physician. But just like other physicians, he, uh, he not only diagnoses diseases, but he brings remedies and prescribes cures. And not unlike our regular doctors, sometimes we find ourselves not listening or taking our medicine. So through this series, what we're doing in Prescribed is we're looking at some of the things that Jesus prescribes for situations we find ourselves in. Some of those things we're going to find over the next six weeks are not just sicknesses in our hearts, but they're situations in our lives. And thankfully, Jesus speaks to so many things that you and I go through. But if we're honest, the reason some of us aren't getting better is because we're not taking our medicine. In fact, the level, um, the level of his, of his um, prescription... Like it's only going to be as effective as our level of trust, which means if we hear Jesus, but we don't do what he says, we're never going to experience the life change that we can experience. So we started out last week with this, uh, this verse, and we're going to look at it every week as a reminder. James says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. So God's promise to every one of us in this room is, if we will submit ourselves to what Jesus prescribes, we can experience him lifting us up. How many of you in this room want God to lift up your health, lift up your home, lift up your family, lift up your finances? So if we want to experience what God has for us, we have to do what he said we need to do. We need to take our medicine. So we're going to jump in today. Last week we talked, we opened up with the prescription for sin, which was a fan favorite, I have to say. This, this joke, which if you've got to explain it, it's not really a joke. <laughs> but we tackled a big situation all of us face, and Jesus, man, he jumped right in, and he prescribed some serious business that if you want to get serious overcoming sin in your life, you have to take some drastic steps. And if you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to go back, and you can always find any of the previous messages online. Today, I want to talk about something I think is just as powerful. I want to talk about the prescription for ineffective prayer. I expected that response. I planned on it. That's what I get paid to do. See, like if I came up and I said, hey, I came to talk about how you can have an incredible life, people would lean in. I came to talk about how you can have an incredible relationship, how your marriage can go to the next level, how you can have a whole family, how you can walk in your purpose, how you can experience God fulfilling dreams and purpose. If I stood up here and said, listen, man, you can walk in the ministry, the plan and the purpose and experience the life that God has for you, everybody would lean in. But when I stand up and say, hey, we're going to talk about prayer, everybody leans out. Do you know Why? Because we have under, misunderstood and undervalued prayer. Because what I want you to know today is you can experience breakthrough, you can experience prosperity, you can experience God's health, God's plan, and God's purpose, and it comes through the power of prayer. Which means if we learn how to pray, we can get through all the other things that we say we want. So I want to encourage you today to lean in as we talk about the prescription for prayer. Amen? Everybody with me today? Come on, I told you all you're my favorite. You got to make some noise today. So, because here's the reality. I mean, let's, let's just be honest. What we call prayer and what we do in prayer doesn't always look like what we read in Scripture. In fact, when you look through a lot of the stories and you look through a lot of the, some of the things that you read in Scripture, some of the stories, some of the things in the redemptive history timeline of the Bible, 
Like we read about all of these incredible miracles and breakthroughs and these stories that astound us still today. And if you're not careful as you read the stories, you'll miss that most of the stories happen because of a prayer prayed and a prayer answered. For example, I'll just give you a couple real quick ones. There's a guy by the name of Joshua who is not just the political leader, but he's the military leader of the nation of Israel. He prays a small prayer, by the way. Hey, God, make the sun stand still. And God makes the sun stand still. There's another guy by the name of Elijah. He's the prophet. He's standing on a mountain opposed in opposition to 450 false prophets trying to lead the nation of Israel away from God. He prays a small prayer like this. Hey, God, let fire fall from heaven. And fire falls from heaven. I'm glad you all are excited. There's another two guys. Their name are Peter and John. They're two of the first apostles. In Acts chapter 4, they are out spreading the gospel. Jesus has since lived, died, resurrected, and ascended back to heaven. They're out talking to people about Jesus, his love, the life change he can bring, the Messiah that he is. They get arrested by the religious of the day. They get thrown into prison. When they get out, they decide the response is a prayer meeting. They get together and they pray, and their prayer is this. God, give us boldness, not to slow down, but to speed up. Help us to go public with the faith we have. And the Bible says in response to the prayer that Peter prayed, that the place they were in were physically shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they went out preaching in boldness. Come on. So we've got the sun standing still, fire falling from heaven, and buildings being physically shaken. All the while, we're praying, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my... Which, how morbid is that? Basically, it's Jesus, if I die in the middle of the night, I hope I make it to heaven. That's the prayer. Lord, thank you for my food. Lord, bless it in Jesus' name. Like, we pray these safe prayers... We pray 911 Hail Mary prayers. We're late, for, like, we're late for a doctor's appointment. Lord, I hope I get a parking spot right up front in Jesus' name. Lord, Lord, let the hot light be on at Krispy Kreme in Jesus' name. Woo, that's a good one. Actually, I'm, I'm going to tell you that's a good prayer to pray. If you don't pray for you, pray for me. But think about the prayers we pray. Come on, let's be honest. Think about the prayers we pray and the response we get compared to the prayers we see in Scripture and the response they get. The reason we're not excited about prayer the way we should be is because of our experience. And the problem is God hasn't changed. I think we just have to ask this question. Are we doing it right? Like, are we doing this thing called prayer right? Because there is a big gap between what we see and what we experience. I don't think it's because we don't pray, right? I mean, you know, you come to church and we see people praying, you probably may not even be, have a much of a religious background, but you've heard people pray. We read about people praying. We tell you you should pray. We probably have not done a great job teaching you how. So this idea of prayer is, is prevalent in the church. But something is wrong between what we do and what we experience and what we see and what we see being experienced in God's Word. And we're not the only ones. That's the good news. In fact, the disciples had the same experience. They saw the same thing. The disciples being Jewish, good Jewish boys, they were raised in synagogue. They were raised and taught to pray every day. Not only did they pray every day, but there were key specific times in the Jewish calendar during, during Jewish holidays that they prayed very specific prayers. So they were raised to be people of prayer. But then they started hanging out with this radical guy named Jesus, and he prayed different than they prayed. 
And he not only prayed different than they prayed, but he experienced things that they didn't experience. And they put two and two together and said, wait a minute, we're praying, but he's praying different. And whatever he's doing, we want to do what he's doing because we want to experience what he's experiencing. Come on, somebody. And so they go to Jesus with this question, hey, are we doing it right? And Jesus answers this way in Luke chapter 11. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, come on, read it, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Like they heard Jesus praying, they saw Jesus praying, and then as they hung out with him, they saw God doing like incredible things in him and through him and for him. They put two and two together, and they said, obviously, it's your prayer life. Like, show us, to, show us how to do what you're doing. So I just want you to know something today. Listen, there is a right way to pray. Come on, there is a right way to pray. If there's a right way to pray, that means there is a wrong way to pray. And you say, well, how do you know that? Because Jesus, his response is, hey, this is how you pray. Notice he didn't say, hey, like, I don't need to tell you how to pray. Just, just be sincere in your heart. Like, it's all just talking to God anyways. Like, just talk to God and he'll hear you. Like, notice that's not his response. He doesn't just say, hey, man, just let her rip tater chip and God will hear you and it's all good. No, Jesus says, hey, let me answer your question. You want to know how to pray? I'm going to tell you how to pray because there is a right way to pray. And then Jesus goes on and he begins to unpack and unfold how it is that we should pray. And he goes on. In fact, he goes right after these verses and he tackles what we have commonly uh, connotated as the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer Jesus teaches his disciples here and also in Matthew, right? We know it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, right? For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Amen. And here's what Jesus is really teaching his disciples in response to their question. Hey, are we doing it right? And if we're not, show us how. Jesus is not giving us a pattern prayer that we pray before we go to bed. Jesus is giving us principles that we should pray about. And at the end of the day, every prayer should be about this, how big God is and how dependent we are. Like every prayer is, God, you're big, I'm little. God, you can do it, I can't. God, you're glorious and you're wonderful and I'm in trouble and you're the answer. Come on. Every prayer, and that's what the Lord's prayer is, is God, we're starting with you. Hallowed be our, you're holy, you're awesome, you're wonderful, and I'm in trouble. I can't forgive people. I'm a sinner. I need a job. I need some food in my belly. And I'm, everywhere I go, I'm getting in trouble. Help a brother out. That's the Lord's prayer in the Steve version. That's it right there. <laughs> But then he goes on, and we're going to find that he begins to, or he continues to answer this question that there is a right way to pray. Now, i got to tell you this. Listen to me. Listen, it's not about your medication. It's about your application, which means if you're not taking your medicine the way your doctor or physician has commanded or prescribed you to take it, don't blame the medication. Blame your application. Right? Because I'm just here to tell you something. You might get mild results by taking medication your way, but if you want to maximize the results of the medication, you got to do what the doctor said. There's a word for this. It's non-compliant. And some of us in this room, we have been non-compliant in our prayer life, which means we decided to pray the way we wanted to pray instead of praying the way Jesus commanded us to pray, and then we question the results we get through prayer, which demotivate us to pray at all. And what I want to do today is I want to challenge you. Let's pray the way Jesus taught us how to pray. Let's experience what he told us we can experience, which will just be a catalyst for us to pray even more. Is anybody on board for that? Yeah. 
Okay. So he goes on from here and he teaches us this very important element that all of us should know about prayer. And it's something I think probably most of us struggle with doing. And here it is. Then teaching them more about prayer because we need to continue to do it right. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. This isn't a party story, by the way. Get your mind out of the gutter. He says, and you wanted to borrow three loaves of bread, and you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. (laughs) The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are already in bed. I can't help you. Jesus says, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because, come on, say this, of your shameless persistence. Shameless persistence. I have a buddy. We've been best friends for years and years. He had shameless persistence. Uh, Our whole life, I'm still this way today. I'm not a morning person. He's always been a morning person. He wasn't a night person. I I can stay up all night, but I need to sleep till the crack of noon. Come on, somebody. Woo! Glorious. But he's the kind of guy, man, he falls asleep at 10 o'clock at night, but he's up at like 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning. So we would hang out when we were younger. I'm talking about like elementary school, early junior high, because I would always sleep in. He would want to like, let's hurry and get on with our day. The way he would get me out of bed in the morning, he lived the next street over. He would call my house. When I say call my house, old school. But And then he would call my house. Once the phone started ringing, he would set the phone down. Then he would come to my house and knock on the door, which means in one room I got a phone ringing, and downstairs I got someone knocking on my door. Now let me just be clear. I didn't get out of bed because he was my friend. I got out of bed because he was getting on my nerves. This is serious. Listen to what Jesus is teaching. Every time, every time Jesus uses a parable to teach, in the parable, you're always going to find two people. You're always going to find God, and you're always going to find you. And to understand the parable, you have to find out who you are in the parable. And so Jesus, in trying to teach us how to pray, he teaches by way of story or parable about this guy, check this out, about this guy who has friends come over late. He doesn't have anything to feed him, so he goes to his buddy's house, knocks on the door at midnight. Everybody say midnight. That means it's the most inopportune time for this guy to get company. And he calls up through an open window, hey, I've got some people over. I don't have any food to give them. Help a brother out. To the response, the guy doesn't even get get up and come to the door. He yells out, Hey, me and my family are in bed. You're out of luck. I'm not helping you. Now, for us to understand this in today, it's a little different than the way we sleep in our homes today. At this time, typically people lived in a one-bedroom house. If you had a lot of bling, you lived in a two-bedroom house. Most people lived in a one-bedroom house, which meant everybody in the home slept in one bedroom. All the guys slept together and all the girls slept together. And as you slept together, not everybody had their own bed with their own cover. You shared blankets which means everybody would lay down, everybody would cover up, and you go to sleep together. So you go to sleep together, and you get up together. Are you all tracking with me? So if someone's got to get up and go to the bathroom, everybody's got to get up. Everybody's got to get up. So this guy, he's saying, hey, me and my whole family, we're already in bed. I'm not getting up. And Jesus says, hey, but this guy, he just kept knocking and knocking and knocking This guy didn't get up because his buddy was at the door. He didn't get up because it was a friend in need. He got up because of shameless persistence. So let's go back and ask the question. 
Anytime Jesus teaches a parable, two people are in the story. God the Father's in the story, and we're in the story. Here's the question. Who are we in the story? Come on, who are we in the story? We're the guy at the door that needs something. Who is God in the story? He's the guy that won't get out of bed and open the door and help a brother out. That's the guy. Now, you may not like it, but I'm telling you, that's what Jesus says. Now, you're saying, wait a minute. Are you telling me Jesus is teaching us that God doesn't want to help us out? I think it's almost ironic because some of us in this room, some of the reasons we don't pray is because we don't want to bother God. Like God's too busy running the universe to help us out with our petty little things. It's almost ironic that Jesus seems to hit on the issue that when we pray, we're bothering God. But don't miss the point nonetheless that the point that Jesus is making is if God is going to answer your prayer, sometimes he won't answer your prayer because he loves you. He won't answer the prayer because you're his child. He won't answer the prayer because you're in relationship. The reason God answers some of your prayers is because you refuse to give up and take no for an answer. That's what Jesus is teaching that's big. That is so big that we got to get to this place that we like keep on. And you might be here and you say like, I don't like that. Like, why is God that way? Why don't he just answer when I ask? Like, why does he make me keep asking? Why does he, why does he demand that I'm persistent? Well, let me just pose it this way. I think instead of us expecting God to change his essence to meet our expectation, we ought to change how we address God and approach God based on the revelation he's given us, which means if God said it pleases me most when you're persistent, I expect you to be persistent instead of me come and meet every time you just knock once. Are you all hearing me? God wants us to be persistent. And when you're persistent, he says that's how you get an answer. So if you're missing it, here it is. Persistence is the remedy to answer prayer. If you wonder why God's not answering your prayer, it's because sometimes you're not persistent enough to get the prayer request answered. In fact, he goes on in another place in uh, Luke chapter 18, and he teaches another parable. And this parable is probably more ludicrous than the first. You should read it on your own. But basically, he says this, that there's a poor widow woman and there's a wicked judge. And the widow woman needs the judge to rule on her behalf. Again, you ought to ask the question, who are we in the story? We're the poor widow woman which means who is God? God is the wicked judge. Jesus is not teaching that our heavenly father is wicked. He keeps teaching the principle over and over and over again, that if we are going to experience the power of prayer, we have to be people of persistence. In fact, he starts that parable this way. Luke chapter 18, verse one, he says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray, read it and never give up. The reason some of you are not experiencing, the reason sometimes I do not experience the power of prayer is because I give up and I stop asking. So Jesus goes on and he continues to teach on this principle. Notice what he says. He says, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Every voice, come on, read this. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Yeah. Now, let me just run through these because Jesus uses three different words, all of them in the present participle, which means you keep on doing it. It's not a one and done. It's keep on. It's not been there, done that. It's, it's keep on and keep on and keep on and keep on. And he uses three different words like all another level word. Don't just ask, but seek. Don't just seek, but knock. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Asking is about humility and faith. Jesus is trying to get us to realize what he's asking us to do. 
Jesus isn't really taking pleasure of us standing on the, at the door waiting for him. Jesus is trying to really pull something out of us. So when we are people who are willing to keep asking and not just ask once, we're demonstrating humility and faith. Humility in that, first of all, I'm just telling you the reason some of us don't experience our prayers being answered, there are a lot of reasons. I'm not, I won't get into them today, but the Bible tells us that hidden sin will keep our prayers from being answered. Unforgiveness will keep our prayers from being answered. The Bible teaches us, husbands might want to pay attention to this one. Peter tells us that your relationship, when you treat your wife in a way that's not pleasing to God, it will hinder your prayer from being answered. Like there's all these reasons, but I'm just telling you, you know the number one reason we don't get our prayers answered? Because we don't pray them. Because we don't pray them. Drugs that people don't take will not heal them, and prayers that people don't pray will never get answered. Here's what James says. James says this. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. See, this idea of prayer, at the end of the day, I think when we don't, it exposes our pride. Like, we don't really, do we really need God involved in this? Like, God, I, back up, I got this. And worse yet, while I'm thankful for doctors and nurses and accountants and all manner of professionals that, that are educated and learned and they know so much. And I'm thankful we can turn to people that have that caliber of education. And I think we should exhaust every resource. When you are in need, you should exhaust every resource. But it is a shame for a person to call themselves a God follower and a person of faith. And they turn in every way possible to men, but never turn to God. We get sick and we call the doctor and we go to the doctor, and we let the doctor examine us, and we take the prescription the doctor gave us to the pharmacy, and we get the prescription filled, and we take the medicine, and if we don't get better, we go see a specialist, and that specialist can't help us, we get more tests. And at the end of the day, I'm just telling you, and I'm telling me, we got to come to the place where we humble ourselves underneath the mighty hand of God and believe maybe we're not experiencing the healing, the miracle, the breakthrough that we should and could have because we have not been asking because we are too proud. And so Jesus said, hey, just ask. Everybody shout, ask. Ask, ask, ask God. Ask God, ask God, ask God for a breakthrough. Ask God for a new job. Ask God for a new opportunity. Ask God for a mate. Listen, instead of trying to find it at the bar of the church, ask God for a mate. God, I pray that you bring the right person to me that's going to treat me like the queen I am, that's going to bless me, help me, and get me closer to you. Pray and ask God and see what he'll do. He says it's not just about that, not just about humility, but about faith. When you ask God, this is so cool, when you ask God, it exposes, when we take time to pray to God, it exposes what you really believe about God. Let me ask you a question. If you got in trouble right now, you needed some cash money, $100, we'll start with an easy figure, 100 bucks. If you needed $100 right now, who would you call? Do you have somebody you can call? Don't call me. <laughs> you better call somebody else. That number is blocked. Who would you call? Now, now, because here's, let's be honest. Some of us in this room, we have friends, but they don't have $100. Come on. They call us for $100. We got friends that don't have $100. We're not calling them because they can't help us. And we have other friends that have $100, but we know they ain't cutting a penny of it loose. So they can help us, but they won't help us. 
So because they can't help us and won't help us, we don't call them when we're in need. But some of us in this room, and I'm fortunate enough to have good friends in my life, and I'm fortunate enough to be a good friend. Listen, some of us have friends that we can call that if we need $100, we know who to call because we know they have it and know, we know they'll use it to help us. When you pray and you ask God, what you're doing is you're revealing your faith that I believe God can help me and I believe God's able to help me. I believe when I bring this need, he's the solution. And every time you keep, not just ask, but asking and asking and asking. Here's the wonderful thing about prayer. Listen, what Jesus is really trying to teach us is, is this idea is that it's ongoing, that prayer is not a pit stop request. It's a lifestyle language, that it's what we talk. It's how we live. It's a daily routine. It's this way that we continually engage God in the situations and the need of our life. And God says, I want you just to keep on asking and asking and asking, which this is really important. Jesus here promises that God's going to come through. Now, when God comes through, he might come through in a way you don't expect, which means God might do more in changing you than changing your situation, but it's still a win. Come on. See, because I'm telling you, if God never does what you think he should do, the way you think he should do it, he does promise he'll do something. And I'm telling you, if you spend time continually asking and asking, which means you're spending more time with God, the more time you spend with God, the more you'll be like God. And that's always a win. That's always a win. So it's not just about asking. Again, humility and faith. He goes on, he says this, your fathers, uh, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, you give them a scorpion? Of course not. Now, this is, I don't have time to comment on this. It's weird, but let's get to the point. <laughs> like, if you've got a kid and you're giving him scorpions, come see me. We need to talk. I hook you up with somebody. Here's his point. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's saying, listen, listen. Jesus is saying, I, I get parents. Like you love your kids, and because you love your kids, you do things for your kids. He's saying, people, your love, our love, it's mildly corrupt. It's never perfect, and it's limited. God is saying, in my perfect, unlimited love that the Apostle Paul tried to describe, but it was too big, too deep, and too wide for him to begin to even fathom. God says, if you being evil compared to how good I am, if you bless your kids, how much more do you think I'm going to bless my kids? But come on, sometimes we only bless our kids because they are persistent. Come on, please help me, somebody. I don't do some things for my kids because I like them. I do some things for my kids because they won't shut up. Dad, you want to go play some ball? You want to play some basketball? You want to play some basketball? How about now? You want to play some now? What about now? Now? How about five minutes? Is it five minutes yet? It's only been four minutes, son. What about now? You want to go now? Play now? We can go now. You want to go now? I know it's getting on your nerves. It gets on mine, too. We want to experience this together. I will go play ball with you if you will shut up. Come on. Jesus says, not because you're his friend, but because of your shameless persistence. Again, we don't like that. I don't want to be persistent. Well, then you don't want to have prayer answered because Jesus says one of the stipulations of you and I experiencing prayer on the level we can experience is dependent on our persistence of asking and of seeking. Seeking is about need and expectation. Why does Jesus use different words? Because he's trying to convey different ideas. Seeking is this. When you seek something, you only seek it because you really need it. Like, if you're in the morning, right, it's, you, you got to go to work in the morning, and you wake up, and, and you got to go to work, and all of a sudden, you're looking for your keys. Now you're seeking your keys. Why are you seeking your keys? Because you need them to get to work. 
When do you stop looking for your keys? Come on, church. Do you stop looking after five minutes? Do you stop after 10? You keep on looking until you find it. And when I say need an expectation, let's talk about expectation. How many people in this room, you have a drawer in your house and it's a junk drawer? Like sometimes you try to open it and you can't open it because something fell in the way. You cuss a little trying to get it open. I caught you, didn't I? But it's funny, sometimes we have places that we know things should be and when we're looking for them, we go there and it's not there. What do we do? We go look and we come, we're like, man, I know it's in that drawer. And we go back and we look in the drawer again. And it's not there. And what do we do? We go and we're like, man, I know it's in that drawer. Anybody here go to the drawer like five times? Why? It's because you are convinced based on your experience that that should be in the drawer. What Jesus is trying to teach us when he says, don't just ask with the words. He's saying, engage your mind, which is seeking, with his, which is passion, which is heart. Understand that what you need in life can only be found in God. But you got to be relentless. You got to be convinced. I know it's there. See, some of us go look at the drawer once and we leave. He says, keep coming back to the drawer because that's where you know your answer's at. That's where you last saw it. That's where it's to be found at. And some of us keep giving up too early. It's not because prayer doesn't work. We don't work prayer. Keep praying. Relentless tenacity. Like, let's, for real, when was the last time you prayed like this? When was the last time I prayed like this? God will never answer no prayers. He's like, are you for real? How about you pray him right and then I'll show up. Like we want God to answer on our terms. And Jesus took the time to teach us how to pray because there's a way to pray. He says, ask and it'll be given. Seek and you'll find. And I love this. Knock and the door will be open. Knocking is about patience and entry. Patience, think about this. Notice Jesus never says, hey, just come up to the door and come on in. He tells us that sometimes in our access, there's a door. And how do you know, you, like, you got to wait for someone to come to the door. And sometimes people don't come to the door because they're hiding behind a wall. I do that sometimes. Come on. If they don't see me, they don't know I'm home. They'll leave quicker. But sometimes I open the door and I don't like you. Or you're selling something and you're not coming into my house. So the door, the door is who gets in and who doesn't. But it takes time for the person to get the door. Jesus says, hey, there's a door. And he said, I'm telling you, he's saying, I want you to keep knocking, but be patient. And here's why. Because a good gift given in the wrong time is the wrong gift. Some of the things you're asking for and some of the things I'm praying for, it's not that God doesn't want to give them to us. But sometimes if God gives you what you want when you want it, it won't help you, it'll hurt you. Because it's not the wrong thing, it's just the wrong time. Several years ago, there was a... I'm, telling a story, and I hope this person's not watching who did this because they'll be mad at me, but a family member um, gave our son for his birthday, and this was when we were in Ohio still, so he was seven or eight years old, <laughs> gave him a sword for his birthday. Yeah, like not like a, a Nerf sword, a sword, like a, a steel cut somebody samurai ninja sword. And some of you guys who grew up maybe with knives, like when I was a kid, my knives wouldn't cut butter. I mean, there's always dull. Come on. Like this thing was sharp. He was, it was just laying on his lap on the way home. I, I know bad parenting moment. We let him carry it for a minute. Like we thought we'll just let him enjoy it. He cut his thumb open, just had it for a couple minutes. Now, if you're 18 years old and you get a sword, go ninja on somebody. You're 18, 
cut it loose. But if you get a kid a sword that's seven, something's wrong with you. If you give a kid car keys when he's 16 and he has his permit, that's great. Good timing. If you give a 10-year-old car keys and say, hey, can you go to the store and get some milk? That's dumb. Right? Same, same gift, wrong time. What God is really trying to teach us is, again, I think when we spend time really, I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep knocking because I know God's in there. I know he is. And he's a good God. And he's able to meet my need. And sometimes God is just waiting till I'm ready for what he wants to do or in the process of standing on the doorstep, he'll change my heart for what I want. But the end result is the same. I'm going to experience something that I cannot experience and will not experience without the tenacity of persistence and entry. Just one more second. Entry, it's, it's like there's something on the other side that not everybody gets to. Not everybody gets to come into my house. You have a door on hinges on the front of your home because not everybody can come in. I think what Jesus is very clearly teaching is there are some things that you cannot access without God. You can't get there by your education. You can't get there by your friendships. You can't get there by how much money you have in the bank. You can't get there by your inspiration or your ideas. The only way you're going to access everything God has for you is to knock on the door and keep knocking and knocking until God opens it and you can step over the threshold. You can enter into something bigger than we're experiencing now if we'll continue to knock. So let me just ask a question. What are you praying for right now that's big? Lord, help me have a parking spot. God, give me a good day. Lord, let me pass my test. What are you praying for that's big, that's so big, that's so big? See, a lot of things we pray for, if God doesn't do it, we're fine, right? God, help me pass the test. Well, I got a C. We'll be all right. Got a D. I'll take it again. What are you praying for that's so big that if God doesn't do it, you're going to notice and when God shows up, it'll change your life or somebody else's. George Mueller, if you don't know what he is, man, he's a pretty incredible guy. He was a, a revivalist and evangelist in the 1800s, had an orphanage in England for over 10,000 children. His, his whole life and legacy is incredible to read the way God answered prayers. George Mueller read the scriptures we just talked about today. He did something that you and I don't always do like he believed them and thought like what would happen if I really kept asking and seeking and knocking and he had a burden for five of his friends who were not believers were not Christians and he determined after reading this that his friends needed Christ and God if he kept asking he kept seeking and he kept knocking that God would bring them to himself that they would get saved so George Mueller made a commitment after reading these scriptures that he was going to pray for his five friends every day until they got saved. Whether it was cold outside, whether he was busy, he says whether I was in the field or on a boat, whether I felt good or I felt down, every day he prayed for these five friends to come to Christ. After six months of praying daily, the first friend got saved. And he kept praying, and he kept praying, and he kept praying. Five years later, five years of praying daily, his second friend got saved. In his journal, he names them one by one, and the dates when they got saved. Six years after the last one got saved, 11 and a half years after he started praying, his third friend got saved. Another 35 years passes. 
George Mueller, towards the end of his life, records when his fourth friend that he prayed for every day, every day, every day, got saved. George Mueller passed away, and about three years after he passed away, his fifth and final friend that he was praying for every day came to Christ. What if, what if you and I started praying big prayers and it mattered? Like what we were praying for, it mattered. And when it got answered, it changed things. What if you started praying for your school? What if you started praying for students in your school? What if we started praying for our campuses? What if you started praying for your family members? What if you started praying? What if all we did was pray for some lost people? But man, I'm not like, Lord, save them in Jesus' name. Lord, pray for all the people out there. Like we got a name on our heart and we carried that person before the throne every day. And we kept seeking, we kept knocking, we kept asking until God saved them. If God never turned the hot light on, you never got a good parking spot. You got C's on test for the rest of your life. But five people came into the kingdom because you were constant and persistent in prayer. I'd much rather have that. And Jesus says, you can have it. If you'll ask and keep asking. If you'll seek and keep seeking. If you'll knock and keep knocking. So if we want to keep praying safe prayers, we can. And we can keep experiencing the same lame prayer life we've experienced. Or there's a right way to pray. And we can do it with shameless persistence. And God will answer. So what would happen if we started persistently praying big prayers and believing for big answers? I think we would really begin to figure out how big God is and the part we get to play here on planet Earth. Father, I pray that, God, you would shake me. Lord, shake me with the reality of your words. I pray, God, every person in this room that we would find a new burden for prayer. God, a new hope in prayer of really what you can do. God, too many of us, we've prayed. We prayed too short and we prayed too simple. And God, we didn't really dig in and believe you. I pray, God, today you would change our heart and change our faith. God, let us put into practice the persistence that whether we like it or not, you require. And stand back and watch and see what you'll do. God, give us a big prayer to stand by and to pray for. In Jesus' name, amen.